0: Hello Gaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsor. The Agamenex podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. The Pragmatic Solutions player account management platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. And now, here, is today's podcast
1: Future Trends Deep Insights Industry Leaders This is the iGaming Next podcast with
0: your host Pierre lindt All right Welcome to the iGaming Next podcast Christopher Kassel how's it going today
1: Uh thank you yeah it's good excited to, to be here and yeah looking forward to have a nice talk with you uh, I I'm a fan of your po- podcast myself so
0: uh, yeah, that's cool, a, <laughs> cool being here. Yeah, this nice to, it's really nice to have you here. I mean, the, uh, you've kind of made, a. I mean, your company has, from the outside perspective, at least, kind of made a, a, a rocket trajectory career lately, um, picking up a lot of new and interesting clients. And I mean, can, can you can talk a little bit about Readily and, and kind of what your, uh, what your business does?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll try not to be too to marketing, uh, yeah. to marketing uh, material uh, guy. Yeah. But uh, now, me and a guy called Alexei Kuznecov, we we founded Regly uh, almost four years ago. And the background was I, I worked at that point at Klarna, VP product uh, with a checkout product. So we created this: uh, how do you get customers in the point of a transaction to leave your store with high conversion? and we saw that a lot of industries and i myself had worked in 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 gaming before uh, and also with financial technologies we saw that some industries actually want the opposite they want to create a relationship they want people to stay with you so to speak rather connect with you Um, but we believe a lot in this data-driven approach of how to optimize and so on so we set out to to create the framework a tech technology that allows you to optimize how people check in as we call it how they connect to you so that's when someone says i want to be a customer how can we make it as easy as possible um, well actually it's not only as easy as possible because a lot of it is it's not that difficult it's easy to say that my name is christopher and i live here or you know yeah. i work for this company or whatever is asked for but but it's really boring Right, so mm. so we, we tr- we're trying to, to find uh, to find out for each specific user, depending on who they are, where they are, what's the most efficient way to, to get them to connect with a great service or great brand. And yeah, when it comes to gaming, it's our we, it's our biggest uh, sector, but we're active also in other sectors. And, and, but yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And I, I want to get back to, the, to that a little bit later, actually, just to compare uh, industries to each other and, and, and cultures within them and so forth. But uh, uh, before that, uh, I want to slide into something a little bit uh, different here. So uh, I saw on LinkedIn that uh, you shared the fact that you're on the podcast uh, 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 today. And um, yeah. you mentioned in your post that, like, hopefully I won't say anything too provocative. <laughs> so, uh, so i want to slide into the first topic of today yeah, uh, yeah, which is sure. um, uh, more kind of towards the company philosophy and the mm-hmm. uh, leadership type of question and and a quite controversial uh, and the uh, topic is uh, uh, the modern way that companies sometimes take stances you see a lot of organizations who uh, um sometimes they even take political stances like uh, yeah, nike yeah. is a great example of that with uh, with the uh, with the american football player taking the knee they choose to sponsor him you know yeah. uh, purposely kind of um, um alienating a part of their own demographic um but it's becoming it seems to become more and more important these days um, for companies to actually take uh, stances in within the organizations so i would like to uh, to start off with the mild mildly provocative question to ask you how you see on uh, how you see that uh, side and and is that something you think about with readily uh, both internally and externally? Uh,
1: No, I agree. I I think that's a sort of a trend. I I think you can make it even wider that there's sort of this uh, a lot of times a culture that comes even from the top. We should be out running every day because me as the CEO likes a triathlon or whatever or uh, I have a political stance and I think the whole company should have that. I'm completely against that. Uh, I think that culture comes from the sum of everyone and we're all sort of individuals in a way. Um, and when I said something not too provocative, it, it's uh, it's from the perspective that I'm trying to be myself I'm, yeah. and, I, I, and I hope that everyone at Regley in the team feel that they can be themselves. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm quite, of course, it's good when people do positive stuff. I'm I'm not against that at all. We have ourselves. We do, for example, uh, if there is NGOs or charities and so on, we offer our product for free to them. So, of course, it's important to help uh, help where we can help. Uh, But uh, this sort of view that the whole company should have the same political stance, I think that's ridiculous to me. Uh, yeah. And I, I think it's sort of it goes even beyond that. So it's great, yeah. of course, if the company has you know pe- people uh, that you work with that you have some common interests and so on. But it needs to be genuine. That's the thing. Uh, and I think l- some people can do this genuinely, and, and that's great. Uh, but we try to, to to how should I say to help where we can, but let people be who they are and believe what they want.
0: Yeah. Because uh, the reason I bring this up is, is um, I had a conversation the other day with uh, with a friend of mine, who's, uh, uh the CEO of a, of a quite uh, like decent sized argument uh, company, and uh, uh, they get faced with these uh, issues from time to time, where uh, you know you would have a complaint from uh, from some employee with a particular uh, particular, let's say, politically charged uh, issue that they have. Um, whether it's um, yeah, whether it being kind of um, uh, you know the the rights of, of minorities or, or these things and um, and uh, you know obviously you, you, you want to be in a position where you let everyone uh, want to be who they are, but at the same time sometimes you have to take stances in in, in these questions where um, you just cannot you just cannot uh, uh, satisfy everyone let's say mm. uh, and um, and this is a little bit more alluding to what I mean because if yeah. you are a small organization who uh, who takes stances early like uh, at this organization we stand for these values for example um, then perhaps you can build an organization that is harmonious in those values but if you don't do anything then you might have issues coming from left and right sometimes I don't know yeah, like
1: no no definitely i, I think yeah. it makes sense uh, but it's sort of a it's always uh, i should say a, a sensitive ground to walk on in in one way because of course you need to be sensitive for for people who feel unfairly treated and so on and, and sort of of course like i take that for granted that sort of racism or sexual you know harassment and this sort of stuff or or uh, all these questions about gender equality and so on that's for me sort of of course that's a a given that that uh, should not be a problem. And I think you need to be very sensitive if there is any indication of problems like that. Mm. Um, But uh, what I meant is we have a very strong belief in what we want to do, what Mm. the regolith's purpose is. And and our purpose is super narrow, you know, Uh, but it's very important. We want to change how people connect with uh, services uh, and products uh, throughout the world. Right. Yeah. Uh, and in that there is also some sort of cultural stuff, uh, if you like, which is like what we believe in, in our communication internally and how we should behave to each other. And, uh, what we say at Wrigley is we are, we're trying to be friends, right? Yeah. Uh, internally, that's sort of our main top line goal mm. and friends, it's it sort of people say, yeah, I'm also friendly, mm. but I think France is the opposite to friendly almost. Uh, I I don't know how your friends are, Pierre, but, uh, you know, (laughs) if if you hit the bad drive on the golf course, they don't say like, oh, that's great. You tried, you know, they say that drive sucked. What are you
0: doing?
1: (laughs) Uh, And that's how we try to be, which is also, of course, it's on the basis. You can be very sort of very straightforward. You can be very direct like you are with your friends. But that's also on the basis that we sort of we like each other. we, We trust each other. Uh, we support each other when, when there is a problem and so on. So uh, mm. I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I personally think that one solution to this big take a stance on these topics is sort of be yourself, be friends. Yeah. Uh, and if you can find that group of friends that are very talented and believe in the same things like like mm. we do, mm. and then that's super powerful. It's also, of course, you don't need to please everyone, to be honest.
0: No. Like,
1: uh, there is, you know, six, seven billion people now and we have 30 working or 35 working at Um uh, and we need to pick the right ones that the, the best talent and attract those. But they also need to share our goal and our view of how, how to run things. And it's fine if you don't like mm-hmm. there's no problem with that. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's be very open with what are you expecting, what, what do you stand for and so on. Um,
0: yeah. 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 I think uh, that uh, this question, um, I mean, especially for, you know, both you and me, because we have, we are running small organizations and, and we are on the level where, you know, like your 30 staff, they probably all know each other. They, they, they all know, like on a personal level mm. and, and so forth. And, um, but when, I think maybe when you, when you deal with like larger organizations, uh, that kind of friendly atmosphere, um uh, gets more and more diluted. And, um, I think potentially, yeah. potentially, yeah. yes, I uh, think, I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, it gets more difficult at least to uh, keep a group uh, harmonious like that. Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a challenge, of course. And I think, I mean, I am no, <laughs> I'm no expert on this at all. I just yeah. had the luck, I think, to work for some really great entrepreneurs uh, in mm-hmm. my past. Uh, mm-hmm. I said I had a background in, in gambling and. and sort of this being genuine, I think if if the sort of top leadership is genuine, who they are, it mm-hmm. sort of spreads throughout the organization. And, and I actually think it can scale. It's not about being 30 people because it's sort of ripple effect on this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I was very, very, I think a big sort of uh, point of how I think about this was uh, it was my first day at at Univet, which I worked for for a while mm-hmm. Kindred yes. now at the, the London office. and, and it uh, was a lot of uh, people to meet and so on and this guy came came up to me and is sort of you know like casually dressed and, and quite like frank guy that just came up and like oh you're the new you're the new head of fraud uh, prevention ah um what do you think about this and what do you think about that quite open guy and and mm-hmm. i said what i thought which was basically like I mean, he, he gave some suggestions for improvements and I told him that's, yeah, that's great. Thanks for the suggestion, but we have tried that before and it's actually the opposite. You're completely wrong on that. So no, we will not do that and blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then when, when this guy was was going away, we stand and talk for 10 minutes or so. Uh, I asked him, oh, by the way, what are you doing here? And mm-hmm. it was this open landscape in, in London. And you could see people going like, Oh, my God. And of course, I had been speaking for 10-15 minutes with Anders Ström, yeah. uh, shooting down every suggestion he had. <laughs> uh, uh, because it's like, I didn't understand that he was a founder, and, and yeah. he didn't present himself like that either. And no, I think exactly. that's really a nice story how, you know, if you are genuine, uh, mm-hmm. he, I mean, a lot of the things, I mean, people want straight straight conversations, right? Uh, so. Yeah. If you can be genuine and i think uh, kindred is a great example of that where that has sort of spread in the organization and and this sort of humility and and being who you are so that that's a big uh, role model i think on
0: on that yeah because that's like a big difference from like traditional leadership which is like very uh, hierarchical and like the uh, the modern way of leading which uh, like you're saying uh, like a person like that would probably be really happy that you uh, that you come at this uh, Uh, that you are so straightforward and and honest with him because in the end of the day it is uh, what is the best for the organization like there's no no, no. like you shouldn't let your ego come in between what is the best for the organization right
1: no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it's easier said uh, than done. Yeah.
0: Obviously. Yeah. Of course. I, I mean, it's 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 a personality thing, in a lot of ways too. I think where like uh, you know, if you are strong in yourself, if you believe in yourself, and if you if you really think uh, if you if you, if you really are a good worker, a hard worker, like you will be secure enough to be able to to take criticism as a leader from from your uh, subordinates. Right. Like. So this, but um, so just to uh, just to solidify a little bit uh, this going back to uh, kind of taking stances as organizations. So I think I was thinking about this. Uh, There's a great example of uh, of where this can become very sensitive and it's happening right now in in uh, in, a, in an organization, a small organization, uh, Spotify. Oh, um, I don't know if you followed this, Christopher, but the uh, uh, Spotify have recently. Launched their like podcast uh, 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 investments where they are basically buying in some of the biggest podcasts in the world uh, to to exclusively host their content on Spotify, like Joe Rogan being one of them. Yeah, now, yeah. now Spotify as an organization are definitely an organization that takes stances generally, right? So they have um, they have a massive uh, program for inclusion within their organization that you can be who you want to be. Uh, um, uh, when it comes to, like, sexual orientation and, and, uh, and these type of things. Um, and uh, De is a quite controversial figure for that segment, uh, yep. right? So internally, in Spotify, um, there's uh, supposedly uh, been a lot of backlash for them uh, Than uh, hosting Jorgen. Then you can ask yourself, you know, is is that justified or not? Because Jorgen says that he is uh, very for inclusion as well, but like he had some like controversial guests and all of these things. So that's where it kind of you have to, it, it becomes tricky for an organization sometimes uh, when they have committed themselves to these strong, um, uh, strong kind of political positions, yeah. uh, you know? Yeah, no, but. Uh... <clears throat>
1: I think it's hard to sort of judge if, if they think that's the right way to, to keep yeah. their team happy and, and, you know, to do yeah. what they believe in. It's, it stands them free to do so, right? It's a sort yeah. of free, free market and a free society. I I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's really relevant, my personal stance on that. But mm. w- what what I think is, is uh, some of this is sort of like, I think we're too busy to think about this, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's some of this is sort of creating storms in, in water glasses, as we say in Swedish. Uh, maybe it's yeah. not the right English expression, but it makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's nice to take stance. I don't know if they want to do it, do it. I think yeah. we at Regley, as I said, we, we're focusing on doing what we believe we are good at and then yeah. adding the part where we can help like NGOs and so on. Uh, yeah. to connect with their givers and so on in a more, more efficient way. But uh, mm. we're trying to not, uh, and I don't think so. We are very, very varied if we talk in the team and so on, mm. political talks and so on. And that's fine. I think that's,
0: yeah, 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 ex- exactly. And, uh, and um, perhaps it is something of a generational thing too, because uh, uh, it seems to me that like as we move forward more and more like the 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 younger and upcoming um generation more and more they they take stances in in their life like whether it being like climate change or like uh, protecting environment uh, to a much much bigger extent than when we were younger for example like so this wasn't uh, like uh, uh, You're calling me old, <laughs> yeah, I'm calling myself on as well. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, we're in the same boat, yeah, we, are. We, are. <laughs> we, are, we are, we are, we are, we are becoming the uh, the dinosaurs now. So not yet, yes, but uh, we, so. we'll hold on to it soon. Yeah, <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, so, so because of, I mean, with uh, Regile, you seem to be a quite uh, progressive organization uh, yourself in general. I mean, we spoke about this before. Uh, you know, you have um, a remote first kind of uh, thought uh, where you've already been remote for a long time. you have been floating the idea of having a four hour work week and this type of thing. So can you talk a little bit about uh, uh, this type of uh, thoughts and uh, in terms of being a produ- progressive organization?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I I think it's, uh, and I should probably correct you for a four-hour yep. work week. I think that's a <laughs> oh, four-hour. Oh, four. that, that's a four-day work week. Yeah, four-day uh, work week. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but I I think this has been sort of coincidence, but it but it's when we started regularly, with we, we we sort of had the feeling that we should be best at what we're doing, which is this. technology that helps our partners right but but that there is no reason why we should be not the best in every area Mm. so for example our uh, chief uh, operational officer Marcus for example is spending a lot of time how can we be the best and most efficient organization internally as well like there's no reason to not think that right Mm. Uh, and when we started with that one of the early things was this remote uh, setup like you say and now, of course, with with Covid, everyone is is more or less remote. And what I think what we did differently was to say from the start that the whole company should be remote. So even like the sea levels uh, or you know uh, all teams should be spread out if they if they can. And if it happens to be that, for example, the management sit in Stockholm and make decisions, and then we ship it out to people who sort of execute, that won't work. You know, that creates sort of a a rift within the organization. So I I don't know right or wrong, if it's right or wrong, but it's worked really well for us, which is to to say that. And to have, like, when you have a meeting, it's natural to use uh, uh, Google Hangouts or whatever you, you use, uh, Microsoft mm. Teams or, or whatever and really allow people to live where they are and And the reason for that is it's really that we want to have the best people, the best talent and we've been super lucky to get a great a great team I think uh, of experts and to do that it's it's really hard if you restrict yourself just recruiting Stockholm for example mm. a, lo- a lot of people think we you know, there are some cost aspects and so on. It's not really that it's, you know, uh, if you can widen your net, you can find better candidates and, and, and more specific talent And for us. That has worked great. So I think everyone who talks about remote, uh, my tip would be to make sure that, you know, the board meetings are not physical, that the management team don't meet up uh, and so on. And then you will have this ripple effect, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you don't do that you're hypocrites um,
0: it's it's so funny that like like be less social like you uh, purposely don't feed each other and uh, and, and uh, but that's that's like you're saying that creates the ripple effect and, uh, and that's how you truly become them the the uh remote first organization because i i had a i did a podcast with oscar middleback the other yeah, week, with yeah. the CEO of of uh, Rake Tech, and they mm-hmm. have they are just implementing this now, right? So yeah. uh, Rake Tech is becoming a, a remote-first um, uh, organization uh, as well. Um, and just like you were saying, the the big selling point is that they can hire the best talent, uh, you know, wherever they are, uh, pretty much um, in in the world, mm. uh, rather than having to limit yourself to not only to Stockholm if that's where your office is, but like. Everyone wants to live within this radius of like 20 yeah. kilometers or whatever from the office uh, you know so you have this like circle of people yeah. basically um, but would you say that like since you founded the organization as a remote organization like from the uh, from uh, from the very very start I mean that must give you uh, that must give your organization a quite big advantage because if you are like betson for example, it's going to be difficult to make that transition with all the culture that comes along with it and all the um, legacy that comes with how things have been done previously. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's really, it's, we've been lucky in that perspective uh, yeah. that we started off like this. It wasn't a big like we sat down for six weeks and thought about strategy about it. It sort of happened. And I think a lot of what we have done has been from that. We have this long term vision where we want to go. Mm. And then, sort of the next step is start walking, you know uh, and and I think this was sort of coincidence. And now we are, like I said, we're thirty three people. We sit in twelve different countries. Mm. And that's another benefit which we didn't understand at that time is sort of this cultural mix is super interesting, but also makes the company a lot stronger. Uh, when you call, talk about diversity and so on, uh, we have almost every religion, every, you know, uh-huh racial backgrounds and so on in the company already uh, and that makes it sort of part of the quite natural i think uh, um, mm. but what we saw and maybe that's a i haven't given advice uh, we are still struggling of course trying to understand how can you for example I, I always talk about this how can you replicate the the talk that happens at the coffee machine right? how, yeah. how does that happen Um, because we have this vision we want to be friends not friendly we want to be friends Uh, Mm. how can you become friends if you can't have a beer together you know (laughs) or you know have a lunch or a coffee or whatever (laughs) Um, and i think here there is a lot still to explore for all organizations we're trying to really you know learn learn from the best and and share our stuff but something that has worked extremely well for us which i think is a concrete I never really want to give advice because we're still trying to figure stuff out. But this one I can actually recommend people to at least try. Mm. uh, When we get a new person into the team, uh, we always do this half an hour presentation where they present themselves. Just them, (laughs) not talk about work, not talk about CV, but with slides. Mm. Who are you here? Right. Uh, So it's a lot like, oh, uh, we we had a guy starting the other week, uh, talked a lot about his uh, mountain climbing that he's into, his, uh, you know, his girlfriend and and so on, where he has been, you know, moving around uh, in his youth, uh, has been on some trips and so on, Mm -hmm. that that we feel is really, really powerful that you understand the person outside the meeting. And that sort of brings you a bit closer to feeling like friends, you know, that you can be direct in a call and say, no, sorry, that's bullshit. You're wrong yeah. without yeah. the other guy flipping out and saying, oh, you're an asshole. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Because that's a big thing, right, to uh, to get to know people uh, to the point where you know where you have them, like, how you know, how far can you take uh, the, the conversation and how direct can yeah. you be with them? Because obviously everyone is individuals in the end of the day, right?
1: Yeah, but I also think like it, uh, this sort of culture and and a mutual respect and so on. It also starts, I think, a lot at the recruitment stage. Uh, if you're lucky and get good, talented people, they tend to sort of respect each other. You know, uh, everyone at Wrigley has something that the others uh, look up to. You know, everyone has a special skill. Uh, everyone are experts in their own area, and, and that's sort of. I think is that as well, to be honest, it's mm-hmm. uh,
0: yeah. yeah, like it's... a collection of superheroes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, but no, but it, it, it yeah. doesn't need to be superheroes. It's not, it's not yeah. about that, but uh, that you uh, a lot of people spend a lot of time, I think, about restructuring the organizations and thinking about stuff, but maybe too little time on, on thinking about recruitment. That's mm-hmm. my mm-hmm.
0: view. So. Yeah, that's true. So, so, um... Does this put more pressure on, for example, uh, measuring output um, to make sure that your employees on an individual basis are performing? Being remote first?
1: Uh, I don't think necessarily it does. This is a very interesting topic. And and I think, Mm. uh, you know, I think there is some things which is. uh, uh, that I believe strongly in is of course if you work on something that you understand that this is important and if I don't mm-hmm. deliver on this uh, The organization actually cares about it, right? Uh, and this mm-hmm. is whether you're physical or remote. I think that's super important, of course uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm I believe of course people can take responsibility for for their own working day and so on that that's a natural but I, I think we are running like maybe because we are remote, I don't know. I probably would we'll do the same if we sit in the same office, but quite, you know, mm-hmm. concrete weekly sprints, daily stand ups. I'm doing this, I'm going to do this until tomorrow. And what w- our experience as least and, and what my feeling is that, is that people get the most engaged and are the most happy at work when they feel that what they are doing is absolutely critical for the business. And we want to have 30 people are critical to to regulate success, you know, mm-hmm. and that means, of course, that if you don't deliver, you understand that's a problem, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a tough question. I, I know that some, like, if you look at uh, some of these remote uh, uh, services like Upwork and so on, they even do now for for outsourcing. They even do screen recordings of every minute you bill your client. Uh, yeah. And that's yeah. I mean, that's on the tough side of things. Yeah. Uh, then you have the sort of physical world where you, I know at Klarna, for example, we, we call it open screen policy, that we were sitting in such a way that other people all the time okay. see what's on your screen. Yeah, And that was outspoken, like a way just to sort of, I guess, have some control. Yeah. Um, and normally, of course, when you walk into work, you say, Hi, hi yeah. guys, what are you working on right now? And so on. That, I mm-hmm. think, is natural even in a remote setting. That okay. uh, mm. yeah, of course you understand what people are working on so there is some middle ground here I don't think you should go all the way or we are not going all the way to here's a ticket come back in a week and tell us how it has been you know yeah,
0: yeah exactly. we don't think
1: that's engaging for anyone and, and you know we're trying to sort of replicate uh, virtual virtually stuff that would happen at an office and we believe in mm. that I know other people believe in this sort of asynchronous, more of a open source type of thinking, but yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? We will see. We're learning, yeah. I think, every every week and every month.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely improving. So because uh, I guess um, what I'm thinking, because for us we are going through uh, like you know our experimentation with our small little organization to uh, to have our employees working from home uh, mostly, um, and something I was thinking of is just. Uh, you know, the, the hot potato of mental health in general right now, you know, a lot of organizations, uh, this has popped up on the agenda on the HR tables uh, to make sure that your staff is um, is doing well um, uh, mentally as well. And I think it's that the problem with remote organizations that, you know, if someone is feeling, is not feeling well uh, mentally, you know, if you if you are in an office uh, as a manager, it's Potentially easier to see if someone is not doing that well, um, whereas remotely, perhaps it's more difficult. So, like you have really talented individuals, but you know anyone can be in a bad situation mm-hmm. in their life. Absolutely. They can have a bad period. Anything can happen, you know. And how do you uh, mitigate and discover that early?
1: Yeah. No. Exactly. No. Yeah. I, I think that's that is a challenge to sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, pick that up. I don't think it's harder remotely. I just Mm. think we haven't figured out exactly how to do it and uh, maybe no, Mm. no organization has, but, Mm. but I I think a a good starting point is always like, if you're worried about something like that, schedule Mm. some time in your diary for it and and take care of it. And for example, we are running um, Mm. one-on-ones very, very like structured, not structured, completely unstructured, to be honest, but very regularly. Uh, yeah. With every person, just to try to pick this up, and that's something I think in a remote setting, people sometimes even forget you know they do it once yeah. h- half a year or something it's It's not about that it's and maybe there's other ways to find that out. I think mm. I don't see a reason why it would be harder you know oh. in this type of conversation to say oh sorry I'm feeling bad because of this or that uh, exactly I, I could probably tell you Pierre but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, of course. No, but you need to have those conversations and I, yes. I, I guess that's the sort of you need to put the structure that allows mm. this uh, remote uh, remote structure to work at least that's how yeah. we think about it
0: yeah yeah it's a it's a good point actually thinking about it now because um you know, the, one of the good things uh, with uh, with COVID uh, that has uh, brought us kind of closer together, uh, in some extent, is uh, the ability that we now have Zoom meetings uh, in, on a much more frequent basis. And um, you know, rather than like before, when you would take a meeting uh, in person, you would schedule an hour in the calendar. This was yeah. like uh, this was like the standard meeting invite was always a one hour. Mm-hmm. And now, moving into um, like a digital. Uh, Digital side of things, uh, the the Zoom meetings are usually scheduled for thirty minutes, for example, meaning that you have a lot more time, obviously, to uh, to take more meetings or to take more short mm-hmm. meetings. If you will. you don't have the commute or even like going back and forth to the meeting room and uh, you know planning all of that, and I mean, it it does eat time, and and uh, that does give you a lot of more extra time to uh, kind of have these shorter one on ones, for example, just to just to check up on, on a one to one basis. How's yeah, it going? Yeah. You know, what's kind your plans for today? Uh, you know. Mm. No, I agree. And I also
1: think that it's not the whole video conference either. Like, uh, mm if you use, I guess most organizations use Slack, for example, which we're yep. using, we, we have banned internal emails, so we're not allowed to email each other. It's only really? Slack. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, because I, I, the reason is because I hate emails myself. I think it's so inefficient. Uh, <laughs> okay. so when we were three guys, we just decided, yeah, let's, let's not mail each other. And, and that has continued. So, uh, and I think such rules, I mean, it's, it might sound it's not that radical, so but but that's something I can also recommend. If you do that, then people start chat with each other. And, and that interaction is actually quite good for like, yo, what's up? You know, how do you feel today? Uh, it doesn't all need to be, let's have this video call and I'm going to be all serious. Right. So
0: yeah.
1: uh, you shouldn't forget about that sort of chat. Uh, I think especially people that, that are even younger than us, Pierre. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, that's actually how they communicate i mean yeah exactly
1: and, and it's a yeah. natural way of communicating and it's a natural mm. way to pick up if someone is unwell or to have this sort of coffee machine talk as well so
0: yeah 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 that, that's so interesting that you banned internal emails <laughs> can, yeah. can, can okay tell like what's the like how did you come to that conclusion and uh, is there any pros and cons with that or would you recommend any organization to uh i, I think
1: whether you use Slack or some other service like that, I think it's super yeah. efficient uh, once you get used to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Creating different threads and uh, h- how we work with you know different channels and so on. We have hundreds of channels for different mm-hmm. special topics and so on. And I don't really see the the need for email internally, right? If yeah. you want something, right? It. It's searchable, but it also gives an openness in the organization almost Mm -hmm. all our channels are open for everyone so if you want to read about some legal discussion uh, somewhere just go into the channel and read it right it's Mm -hmm. there it's searchable uh, and this sort of email where you you know email is very very private in one way right you send it to you no one else can read it Uh, Mm -hmm. and sure there's some topics that needs to be discussed like that but most decisions don't we can be open I mean, I can stand for for most of my decisions at least, and I think everyone else can yeah. It's good to share and be open. Um,
0: yeah,
1: I got a bit inspired from from one company in 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 Stockholm that that I know a bit that that shared the email accounts even ten can. years okay. ago, so anyone can go in and read your emails freely
0: okay.
1: yeah um to have that sort of open environment. I think Slack is sort of the next generation of that where you can yeah. read. Of course, there's certain things like when it comes to human resources or these sort of things that you might need to to restrict uh, access to. Fine, but but then you need to think about it in a natural way is like be open and share information.
0: You know? mm-hmm. So very interesting. Yeah. It's a very progressive way of of kind of moving into like you're saying the new generation is uh, uh, much more reliant on. Uh, on communicating in, in different ways than like like, like uh, the older generation and sometimes the older generation uh, I would say a little bit older than, than us now but sometimes the older generation they want to like hold on to, to how things have always been done and you always hear this like the older generation always complains about the new generation and what they are doing wrong and so forth without understanding that the world around them is changing and um, it's good to be it's good to under, have that understanding, I think, that like, as we get older, I mean, uh, th- there is a new generation that is coming and they are doing things differently. Mm. And uh, we have to adapt to that. And, and we will be the leaders uh, you know, of, of this new generation. Um, yeah, and, I agree. Mm.
1: I, I don't think it's only older generation. I mean, every person, there is a sort of psychological pain to change how you do stuff. Mm. It's really tough. That's mm. why I said we, we didn't tell people, oh, let's try to use more slack than email. That doesn't work. We've tried that a lot actually before. (laughs) So the way to say it is like, we don't do email and then we take that physical pain together. We learn together how, what Mm. works, what doesn't work. And we can sort of create this as a company, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I believe in that. And I believe that forcing change within an organization, get people to think about how we do stuff and so on. Sometimes it's Mm. about just, Pushing the status quo and then sort of figuring it out, saying yeah. we will be remote first and then figure out how we—I don't know—onboard new guys or how we yeah. get to know mm-hmm. each other and stuff,
0: so Yeah, fair enough. So onto something uh, uh, else, Xf. I'm, I'm <laughs> curious to—I'm uh, yeah, curious to ask you actually, um, like as you have found and uh, and uh, grown readily, uh, and to you to where you are today. What would you say is like the um, one thing you're most happy with that you have done in your organization? And what is your biggest regret in uh, in, uh, in building uh, Reggie That's
1: a great question. That's one of those. No, no, it's one of those you should have prepared for any such situation. No, but I I think spontaneously, (laughs) what I'm most happy about this, that we've been, like I said, super lucky from start getting Mm. a good team, uh, hiring people. I I talked about the team, but also like around the company when it comes to our angel investors or our Mm. board and so on, where we have been, you know, because in the end, as I said, I believe strongly that's a sort of ripple effect. And we'll build a company bigger that will affect a lot. Mm. So uh, that I'm super happy. And that goes from like, you know, everyone who's involved in this is so different backgrounds, you know, everything from Anders yeah. Bory, who's a former finance minister, who's, who's an owner, back down to, you know, someone who's a really specialized at, at a certain, uh, mm. you know, JavaScript coding way. Uh, mm. And that's cool. So many people with different backgrounds, we brought them together. And, yeah. and it was sort of just a dream that me and Alexei had. So that I'm super proud of. Mm. Uh, I think regretting, it's, it's hard. I think we have a lot of regrets. Yeah. So when I'm thinking yeah. it's not that we don't have regrets, but yeah. I think something we should, we have, I think more and more understood over time is that it's not about, you know, if, a, for example, if a team member, if they are good at what they do, or if, you know, an investor is nice or whatever, it's, it's all about, do they fit into this? Do they want the same things as us? Uh, uh, Is it a good fit? Uh, It's sort of in the beginning, you feel a bit, um, and now I'm rambling a bit, but uh, in the beginning, you feel a bit uh, like uncertain. You know, You, you need to listen to people, but you also need to believe, I think, in what you are doing is right and take the stance that we will do it this way. And we've been stronger and stronger on that, I think, internally. Mm -hmm. We believe in this. We believe to act like friends, for example. I will tell Mm -hmm. you if you do something bad, we're still friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then if people like that, they join join the Mm -hmm. bandwagon, so to speak. And if they don't, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the beginning, you're a bit more trying to find your way and trying to please everyone. Uh, and we mm. understand that like I said, it's it's about finding the right people and the people that share our sort of ambition level and so on. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um and uh on to a little bit the uh, the, prog- the product in general of, of um of uh i I'm, I'm curious to uh, to kind of talk a little bit about it because uh um the product that you're building is very uh, you know specialized uh, uh obviously like registration process and, and optimizing uh that and uh um it's seems to me that it's based very much on kind of like years and years of a b testing and, and, and so forth mm-hmm. uh, and i'm curious to ask you like um uh, you, you you built this product over the course of four years like did you have kind of like um eureka moment type of thing uh, in your organization where kind of things started to fall into place because i would imagine that like in the beginning you know coming to a point where you actually become relevant to the market it's mm. not the easiest with a product like this
1: no exactly Th- that is a challenge and i and i think mm. that like you say we, we are data driven uh, it's sort of we've built this around the a technical framework where we can learn very quickly and improve it. And that's sort of an investment to build, of course. And, and we're sort of now, I would say, after four years, in the position where it really is starting to take off in terms of mm-hmm. r- getting the benefits from this. So, yeah. And,
0: uh, and, and you can really, from an outside point of view, you really notice that now. Yeah. Like it's it's uh, it, it's really noticed like in the type of clients you're getting and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I think it's sort of that's fun for us and and the nice part about getting more clients uh, for us and I think almost all of us we're sort of product geeks is that we get more data, you know. Mm-hmm. When we <laughs> sign a big contract, of course there's some revenues <laughs> and all of this, yeah. but in the end it's data. Some people yeah. talk about top line, you know, like what they measure in the company. Yeah. Uh and other C- CEOs and so on. Our top line, the sort of, is not revenue. It's data. Like mm. the more data that flows through our system, the better and more relevant we will be. Right. Mm. So we're sort of measuring that. That's our top line. Our top goal to get more and more uh, usage of the framework that we're built. Mm. I think, in practical terms, is of course getting the first client is huge for any startup. Yeah. Uh, it, luckily, it was great customer also uh, in in gaming or gambling. So Wunderino uh, yes. has worked with us since start and, and been a great customer. And it's cool also to see they have been successful on their market uh, when using us and so on. So that has been great. Uh, and the other part, I think, was when you got these really, really big organizations uh, speaking to us and, and working with us and so on. So, mm-hmm. And that's even outside gaming. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when the head of product at, at WordPress, for example, who produces sites, when they call you and ask, you know, how they should do stuff, then you get a bit proud, you know.
0: That, yeah that's a huge moment obviously because um I spoke to I spoke to a friend of mine this uh, the other day about um uh, I was told, telling him I'm gonna do this podcast with uh, with your software and I told him about uh, uh, reg and the uh, and uh, and your product and and what you do and and um uh, he hadn't uh, heard about Regily specifically and his question was that yeah but it's a it's a registration process like it's just how hard can it be it's just as simple as possible like but like, what would you say, like, can you explain a bit more like your product and why it's relevant and why it's mm. more than just like simplicity in a couple of fields, yeah, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That,
1: that mm. would, uh, I think I've quoted some, th- there is some quote that is sort of the hardest thing to do is cr- to create something really simple. Uh, yeah. So that, that's the starting point, I think. But mm. but uh, it's relatively easy to optimize a sign-up experience and make it fun and intriguing, and that you don't get this sort of bad feeling in your stomach when you want to do it. Uh, in one market, maybe for one type of, you know, personas or users, um, what our system is great at doing is doing at at scale. So, mm. last year we had from 165 countries, uh, the 165th that, that end consumers using our platform was Papua New Guinea, for example, just to tell <laughs> the scale of it yeah Uh, and that then it's actually getting quite complex the other part so it's like technically different jurisdictions different licenses how do you now how do you do now for example in germany in the most efficient way what is converting Mm. the best if we look at Mm. my gaming perspective and we have solutions that we you know constantly optimize and, and that is better and better every week but I think the other thing so one is the sort of technical complexity when you work in many licenses and many countries you know the other complexity is understanding what really works and doesn't like i think a big eureka moment going back to that is we, we started doing this a b test and trying what works what doesn't work and i think two or three meetings in a row me and my co-founder we think of ourselves like product experts and product geeks in some way, and that we're sort of good at this and we were wrong every second meeting on, will this work or that work? You know, uh, it is quite illogical. It doesn't make sense really, of course, like when you get this form and need to fill in stuff, why is that not appealing for you? Right. And how can you make that fun? It's sort of it's fun to play Candy Crush, but to do this is not fun, you know. Yeah. And and to, there's sort of this emotional context to it. Um, and then I think um, uh, obviously, like the technical side, it's this connecting different services in different countries that help, like Bank ID in Sweden and all of this. Um, that's a big job for us as well. All these connections we have, uh, mm-hmm. but in the longer run, it, it's sort of a bigger question. I think for us and what we're trying to fix is this check-in, as we call it. It's not only sign-up, but it's really about how do you become a customer. And uh, so we see our role a bit bigger, and, and one of those things is that you know most of the people or at least a lot of people who sign up for a gambling site come from an affiliate, right? Yeah. You don't just open the, the browser and type casumo slash register or whatever company it is. Uh, and we started yeah. thinking about that, that, you know, if you look at that process, how it is today, you, you mm-hmm. click on a yeah. on, on a casino, you get this landing page that starts to load. Yep. landing page usually says the same thing as you have seen. And already here, it's six six or six and a half second in average, just to la- load that. Then you have to mm-hmm. click again, register, new load, and you get to this registration page. Right. Uh, we have launched a product now or, or, or a technology that allows everyone who uses our framework to launch their signups at the affiliate. So when the user mm-hmm. says, I want to connect with, yeah, let's say, Mr. Green, I want to connect with Mr. Green.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: should be able to do it there and then, right? without mm-hmm. all this loading, without this stuff. Uh, uh, and I think that's actually, uh, you know, we believe a lot in that. I believe that there shouldn't be any landing pages. Why do you even have that? Like, mm. I, I believe if i would do some predictions so to mm. predict the death of landing pages okay. i would also predict the death of passwords and emails and usernames that's okay. also extremely old stuff yeah and what is work- it is with yeah exactly when we are working on that that stuff so you know we have taken quite a long-term vision on where we want to do. We want to make it easy for people to connect with services online. And where we are now, it's like I said, it's sort of the starting point. And we are investing quite a lot in the R and D and so on around these topics as well. How can we, you know, optimize the whole connection? Um, mm-hmm. And then it's getting complex. But yeah.
0: Yeah, the Marian. because i mean in the end of the day what you want to do is uh, is remove as much friction as possible but you, t- you said uh, uh, something interesting before as well not just removing the friction but then making the process fun as well yeah exactly yeah
1: yeah i mean there is a lot of studies on that uh, mm. and, and you probably can google up even better studies but where they look at the average time people spend per website on Yes. It's it's dropping every year, and it's been okay. doing so for twenty years or so since the dawn of internet, yeah. and uh, it's down to like eight seconds now, right? And you normally say that like the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. Yeah, <laughs> people are behaving like that. You know, yeah. they are just swimming around, and the least friction that you have, you don't think like, oh no, I won't sign up or no, I won't apply for this credit card. Mm-hmm. You just do it tomorrow right? That's what you think. And then tomorrow might never come. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think that's the sort of fundamental idea. What we are doing is that people have less and less attention and it's dropping every year. And how can you convince this uh, goldfish uh, by tricking, basically uh, tricking is wrong word, but incentivize with like gamification elements with yep. how you present what the challenge is ahead, how can you break it up in an efficient way? And also how you use technology? Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my sort of, uh, as I said, uh, we were thinking about starting regularly and we saw this need for, for this check in from other industries, but the sort of tipping point was I was going to the airport and this um, Norwegian credit card was promoted, you know, at the airport, mm-hmm. you've probably seen it at our hour.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I
1: know. yeah, and actually, the guy who was selling it was a super nice guy, and I sort of wanted a credit card at that point. So, I, so we talked a bit, and it was really great product and really cheap, and so on. So, I said, Yeah, let's do this. I, I want this card. And mm. obviously, he do not hand me the card, he handed me an iPad with his gray fields, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah,
1: and it, it wasn't anything hard. It's sort of my name is Christopher Castle. I worked at that time at Klarna, I make this much money, etc., etc. But I remember looking at that and then telling him like, "Oh yeah, but my flight is leaving soon, so I'll do it on the way back. And then I started like running away from him. <laughs> the problem was just the, the flight was two hours later. Then I started <laughs> thinking like I'm 37 years old, right? Or at that time, maybe I was, yeah, I think I was 37. Like, yeah. why am I like lying to this guy running away from him? just to avoid these forms you know So it's something really interesting with that and and i think that situation happens millions of times per day online someone who you like the marketing you even like the product and they have sold it you're sold Mm. you say i Mm. want to become Mm. a customer Mm. and still like half of everyone who listens to this half of your customers are dropping off or more after they say yes i want this i want to become a customer and that's just insane, right? Yeah. So this sort of, you know, you can always analyze, but when you feel it sort of emotionally, like, wow, this yeah. is so weird. Like, why did I run away from this guy? <laughs> yeah. uh, then I understand, <laughs> okay, let's let's at least try. And we have tried yeah. for four years. And I think, uh, like I said, we've been lucky, but we're sort of just in the starting phase of,
0: so Yeah.
1: we, we don't <laughs> only want to change the gaming industry, we want to change uh, much broader than that as well
0: yeah but yeah absolutely. I mean the the why would you limit yourself to the gaming industry? I mean the, the I think the gaming industry is a natural customer of yours because the um, uh, removing friction and removing bottlenecks in the acquisition uh, process is absolutely vital for the gaming industry uh, when every customer is so valuable in comparison to other industries. but um, uh, can you talk a little bit about like what other industries are you uh, are you looking into as well to working with likewise? Um, uh,
1: yeah, exactly like you say anywhere where each customer is very very valuable where you have multiple geographies or like complex regulated yeah. industries so gaming is big for us we also work in fintech like some mm. really big uh, online brokerage firms are using us mm. uh, subscription okay. services when you sign up for something and pay you know uh yeah, across the board mm. And there, it's quite fun actually. I, I think I, uh, I might have mentioned it before, but it's fun when I s- I spoke to uh, to a client which within fintech like they are a huge, uh, huge uh, business, mm. and they say to me like, "Oh, it's so it's so cool that you work with these gaming companies," and I, I was <laughs> almost like, "What?" And yeah. this is an American company. It's like, "What?" Yeah, yeah like uh, you know. They are really in the forefront and we are look, looking up to these guys. It's like cutthroat uh, uh, competition. And like uh. they are so good at tech and and all of this stuff. And I, I was I, I was a bit shocked, not because I don't agree with him, but no one says that. And I think it's for like the, <laughs> the gaming industry, uh, at least uh, sort of the, the people I speak are very humble persons, but sometimes it's a, sort of overly humble as well. I mean, gaming is one of the most dynamic industries with a sort of high level of tech, high level of competition. Uh, I think sometimes maybe, yeah, sometimes people should be even more proud of that. Uh, But yeah, so it's not only that we learn from other industries and, and can sort of cross learn between like fintech and gaming also, the fact that we work with gaming companies drives our other business as well. They yeah. like that. They understand mm-hmm. that, okay, the forefront is there.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. It's so interesting because, I mean, uh, you know, we have the perception oftentimes that uh, the gaming industry is looked down upon in, in, in many ways, and it uh, was Peter Paul Detroit, the the chairman of uh, the Netherlands trade organization, he said that kind of gaming has no friends, you know, we are kind of <laughs> alone and that's how it feels a lot of times, you know, yeah. the game industry isn't communicating with many other um, uh, industries. is so it's, it's uh, uh, interesting, I think, to have like that type of uh, input for the industry. And uh, like you're saying, we are like very much in the forefront uh, of technology and, and that is really something throughout i mean you've been in the industry for many many years i mean the, the same uh, for me just seeing uh how products are developed developing how how data driven they are and uh, how uh, forward thinking the organizations are how progressive you know yeah. the organizations are from you know everything from hr perspective to to tech and so forth um i think uh, the industry uh, i agree with you like the industry should sometimes just stop up and, and kind of Pat themselves on the shoulder in, in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, yeah I think so too. Mm. And it's, uh, yeah, it, and we see that because we work with different companies. One is, of course, mm. the sort of adaption, but we also have quite good insight, of course, about like, you know, the technology stack about in different industries and so on and how people mm. work. And it's sort of like what some of the best developers within iGaming, what they're doing in two days, takes two months or maybe mm. two years. In the old industries, if you like,
0: yeah. so yeah, yeah exactly.
1: uh, it's really a lot of talent and a lot of nice guys. And I think we have, or the, the industry has, more friends than what they think. You know, and I think we should acknowledge
0: that. I think that's a beautiful way of ending today's podcast. uh <laughs> The the game industry uh, we have more friends than we than, than we think. um So, uh, Christopher, uh, thank you so much for for today. I, I was thinking just. Um, uh, again, we started off a bit uh, controversial or provocative, and let's end it with a little bit uh, provocation or, or controversy as well. The U.S. election, 13 days left. Biden or Trump?
1: I bet on Trump, uh, but that's uh, so. I would, I would say with my wallet, Trump.
0: Okay, okay, we we we'll, we'll, we won't go into more detail on that. Okay, brilliant, uh, Christopher. Thank you so much uh, for for today. It's been a pleasure having you uh, on the podcast. Um, also, thanks to the, the sponsors, Pragmatic Solutions, for allowing us to uh, make this to happen. And uh, we'll see you soon, everybody. Thank you, Christopher. Any last words? Thank you.
1: No, no. Thanks a lot. And, and uh, nice chat. Look forward to speaking more.
0: Ciao. William, See you. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> this fruitful discussion has been brought to you by our sponsors, Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. Is your business struggling to keep up with the development demands on your current gaming platform? Well, then it's time to upgrade to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Multi-tenant, multi-currency, multi-regional, API-based, rule-engine-automated, regulation-ready. It's all here, out of the box. Smart businesses leverage Pragmatic's SaaS model and license powerful modern technology for a fraction of the cost of in-house development. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. Stay safe and take care.